good morning, good night, good afternoon, and everything else in between. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Later Big Show. I'm your host, Denny Gallagher. We got a good one for you today. Former Spurs and Clippers video coordinator stopping by. His name is Mo Dakil, and he's here to talk Top Gun Maverick. That's right, it's the NBA offseason. You know we only do it one way. I'll also be reviewing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And we got a whole bunch of other stuff, so you know you're rocking with the best right here. Later, Big Show. I'm Denny Gallagher. Don't touch that dial. Listening to the sometimes glamorous, always cantankerous, borderline magnanimous audio art of the new James Brown. Move over, Charlie Brown. There's a new kid in town. Whether it's five o'clock where you are or not, you better take your shot because a later Friday big show is coming in hot. This is later. You made it. My name is Denny Gallagher. This is my podcast. A place for civilized discussion, if you will. I don't even know what that means. I just heard it the other day, and I thought it it sounded good. Anyway, how's your week going? How's it going? Today we have a movie-heavy episode. It won't always be so movie-centric. We're going to talk Top Gun, and we're going to talk Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Some weeks it may be music-based, other weeks it may be sports-based, but, you know, just keeping tabs on, on the culture and what's up. Um probably try out some terrible jokes on you a little background on me for those of you that aren't aren't aware and if you found the feed uh thank you so much for listening to the back catalog of the sports Derby podcast what used to occupy this feed uh retooling it you know you signs of growth signs of uh professional development signs of actually of increase in skill if you listen to any of the old ones that weren't quite as produced as this one's going to be what's the goal here um, I, I think it's apropos that we're talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood t- today because, you know, the goal here is to uh, really follow a passion, not of talking, but of the whole craft. Uh, don't think a lot of people know what actually goes into putting a podcast together. Obviously, people know it takes a lot of time and effort, but to really create something from scratch. And I've been away from this since really graduating college. I've been working doing the, the whole thing, but for a really long portion of this, I was uh, kind of struggling with, well, what do I want to say? And, uh, you know, that's a hard thing because when you're in a business like the media business, it uh, you, you meet people with opinions every day and they're often the people that you talk to most. And, you know, you kind of allow yourself to be like well one day my opinion will be valued or one day people can hear and you know the world doesn't wait for people so this podcast is just you know a safe haven for me hopefully a safe haven for you and if we agree on on the same things to to talk about i think this could be a cool little community Uh, i've seen it in, in in other projects but enough moping around so full disclosure before we even go any further, I record this in my kitchen uh, because it's the only room in my house where there is no echo. Uh, and uh, occasionally you, you may hear neighbors, people in the hall, traffic, weather, all of the elements fighting against it. But I'm going to try my best to deliver 
quality product here, but uh, so one of the things that I'm a big fan of is lists. I like ranking things. I like putting everything together and, you know, trying to see what's the best. Maybe that's the sports media person in me, but I always think that there's a conversation to be had about what's good, what's bad, what's worst, what's best. So I wanted to run through a uh, real quick, just some summer fashion things. Now, big fan of the work that people do at, at, at Complex, but this article is the the 15 best camp collar shirts to buy this summer which i didn't even know that camp collar shirts were a thing because they all look like hawaiian shirts but apparently they're called camp collar shirts and apparently these are like a big deal i don't know my these cheap old navy looking shirts are like 360 dollars wait so you're meaning to tell me when you go to these music festivals and these kids are out here in these Hawaiian shirts. These are running them up to up to like two, three hundred dollars. There's no way. There's no way. There's gotta be like knockoff brands of of these that people are wearing. But some of these shirts, man, you're wasting portions of your paycheck to look like like just go into your dad's closet. I, I guarantee if he was uh, rocking the universe in the 90s that he has any of these shirts so like bowling shirts for 275 man it's like it's like our generation oh excuse me the whole millennial young people thing we, we have such a, a a problem with establishing our own culture that we're, we're stealing a lot of things from past generations that weren't working then and they're definitely not working now like like the fanny pack uh very surprised that that's back i used to detest it as a kid but that i, I guess that's because i was wearing it wrong now you wear it around your shoulders back in the day it actually went around your waist and now people are just out here wanting to drop 150 bucks look like charlie sheen and two and a half men crazy uh, what else is happening? Oh, I want to ask you guys a question real quick, just in this little freeform period before we get to all of the good stuff that I'm trying to get to. What is the best way to poach an egg? So I've really been like trying to do this lately as part of a healthy eating initiative. And I've been putting, I've obviously been boiling my water uh, putting olive oil in, whisking it, doing the whole thing. But does anybody have any suggestions on how to do it better? Uh, podcast emails, later podcast at gmail.com. All right. Now it's time to hop in the Cadillac, transport ourselves to 1969, and enjoy Quentin Tarantino's ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Here's the review. official old buddy i'm a has-been is not how i'm gonna review once upon a time in hollywood the ninth feature film by quentin tarantino 
I think for starters with this film, there are a number of things to look at. I think uh, it's the evolution of Quentin Tarantino. I know a lot of the press leading up to this movie has been about his growth, his development since Reservoir Dogs up through Pulp Fiction, Hateful Eight, Django, and how he's morphed into what he's saying is going to be his second to last film. And it's not a bad place to be if this is going to be your second to last film. Uh, and I think the the cool thing is, at this point, he knows his canon. Uh, the film takes place, obviously, in Hollywood, 1969. Stars Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, Margot Robbie, and a whole bunch of other people. The cool thing about the cameos in this, I mean, you see a Leonard Dunham cameo. You see a Luke Perry cameo. And it's really an, an homage to class TV and like it or not, both of those people kind of play a meta role in this movie with their roles in shows like Girls and obviously Luke, the late Luke Perry with roles on 90210. So from Leonardo DiCaprio's character being a old TV cowboy on, on a Gunsmoke Bonanza type show, it's a really cool homage to, to TV and all of the stuff that goes into that. That was probably one of my favorite parts about it was the homage so that was a really cool part about it i want to get into the stars a little bit first first and foremost brad pitt tour de force performance him and tarantino have the great working relationship that was inglorious bastards but this is the kind of role we always kind of thought that brad pitt was going to play when he first came on the scene the cool guy the tough guy the guy with a little bit of mystery it's kind of like paul newman in either cat on a hot tin roof or Cool Hand Luke, kind of that silent stoic type. Yeah. Really interesting, kind of a throwback role in, in, in a throwback movie. I, I thought that that role was excellently written, and Brad Pitt kind of was at is in a point in his career where he could do that and carry it out to perfection. So I thought Brad Pitt won the movie. Uh, the role of Leonardo DiCaprio I thought was interestingly cast because Leo in all of the television parts in this movie was fantastic. I mean, just exactly what you want. But when it came to the vulnerable parts in this movie, where he was playing an actor who was on the downside of his career, who wasn't exactly having success at the current moment, I thought that was a little bit more difficult for him to play. He, he can easily play being vulnerable. We've seen that time and time again. But, And he's a phenomenal actor, but seeing him in this rundown, depressed state kind of role... It's not exactly his ideal situation, but seeing him in a role where he has to play the down-on-his-luck actor almost wasn't believable, given his own canon and personal life of really having this great unprecedented modern run and playing characters that are, are strong. So it was a different kind of character for Leonardo DiCaprio, and, you know, I'm not sure he pulls it off all the way. That being said... The on-screen parts where he was being Rick Dalton, the action star, phenomenal. And then Margot Robbie. You know, a lot's been made about this script, about how it represents the parts of the era and the different kind of characters that Tarantino grew up with in TV, in movies. You'll know the Samuel L. Jackson, not in this movie. And I'm not sure if that was a statement about what Hollywood was like in 1969. Not many roles for African Americans. And then the way he wrote Margot Robbie's character of Sharon Tate, who it's good to see with the release of this movie has gotten some shine for her work in projects like 
the Wrecking Crew that was featured in the movie. But I think it's an interesting commentary in this character about how she really doesn't have too many speaking lines and nothing really of substance. And you can fault Tarantino for that, but I think it's more of, of he's saying more by saying less about the era and bringing to light some of the faults of it, which I think is an interesting way to go about the whole thing. But with that said, in the time that Margot Robbie is on the screen, she's she's doing that classic 60s thing. And that is a bygone era of just like smiling and glowing up the screen. So she is doing that. So Margot Robbie, also a big winner of this movie. Every time she's on the screen, it just lights up. Uh, really did a great justice for the character of Sharon Tate. The one thing I wasn't able to figure out about this movie, though, while seeing it, there were a number of situations where characters had their feet up on a variety of surfaces, and it was prominently featured in shots. And I have no idea why this was a thing. Like, when Brad Pitt's character, Cliff, is giving one of the girls a ride to what's what's the commune, I guess you you would say. She's got her feet up on the dashboard, and the feet are gnarly looking. And I'm like, okay, I get it. She's in like a commune. But then when Sharon Tate is at the movie theater, she has her feet up on the chair. And I'm like, what is Tarantino's thing in this ninth movie about feet? And then I was watching some of the other movies, like in in, in Jackie Brown and like the opening sequence, the woman in the scene with a, De Niro and Samuel L. Jackson has her feet up on, on the table up against the glass of whiskey. Does Tarantino have some sort of thing with feet that like no one's talked about? I mean, I, like I'd have to go back through the entire Tarantino canon, but damn, like that was a little unsettling, especially if those feet were gnarly. Like I'm not exactly sure what the point of that whole thing was. So Tarantino feet thing, big loser of the movie. Leonardo DiCaprio being vulnerable in kind of a downtrodden role. Another loser of the movie. All in all, though, the soundtrack, phenomenal. And I I think the soundtrack is kind of a big reason why this two-hour and 43-minute movie seems like it goes by 90 minutes. I mean, it really does. When I went to go see it, the first time I checked my phone, I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's 10 minutes left in this movie? That went so fast. So big kudos to that. Uh, If... You've seen the movie and you haven't been listening to the soundtrack. Well, that's just a shame on you. There's some great songs. I mean, right from the start, Treat Her Right, phenomenal. Obviously, Mrs. Robinson, but the version of California Dreamin', Jose Feliciano, just really pulls at the heartstrings. And then, obviously, the one that I've have that's been a real, real earworm is Bring a Little Lovin' by Los Bravos. I mean, that song probably hasn't been as popular as it is this summer since 1969. So in a summer where and a time where we're kind of going away from nostalgia politically, I mean, and then also in in light of Woodstock 50 getting canceled and, and people really talking about the dangers of nostalgia, this was a great movie to kind of be like, you know, and I get that it comes from a place of Tarantino wanting to change the history of the Manson murders and not wanting to say goodbye to that old Hollywood that people affectionately love. 
but I think this movie says you can celebrate nostalgia within reason. And also, the really kind of meta thing about this film as well is the fact that it is kind of nostalgic in its own right of an era where these kind of films got made and everything wasn't a franchise. So in the year of Avengers Endgame, uh, this is nice to have what felt like a big movie in the moment kind of dominate headlines of an completely original script new ideas not not new characters but but uh, characters that we know kind of thrown in a new light oh and just a quick touch again on the on the tv element of things i thought it's 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 really interesting how you know tarantino just gets whoever he wants i thought damian lewis you know acts from billions in this movie for one scene as Steve McQueen, a downtrodden Steve McQueen, to kind of tell the story of what the Sharon Tate, Roman Polanski, like that little love triangle there was really kind of pushes the story forward, or so you thought. But my big takeaway from this movie is that Tarantino has used his reputation of blood, gore, all of the profanity, he uses that as as an ally in this film because you know it's about the Manson murders. You know it's about 1969 Hollywood, but you're not exactly sure when the big bloodbath Tarantino scene is going to happen. You assume it's going to be near, near the end, but he uses that in multiple scenes to kind of think, oh, is this when it's going to happen? So the combination of that prior reputation and the soundtrack as well as the always great dialogue really makes this a movie that you have to see this summer and get you really excited about what the last Tarantino movie, the 10th in his canon, will allegedly be. Will it be a, a return to the Reservoir Dogs universe or will it be something else? We'll just have to wait and see. But for right now, let's get back in the Cadillac. Let's cruise on out of here. I give this movie five stars for its five stars. Tarantino, Pitt, Robbie, Leonardo DiCaprio, and of course, the big star of the movie, 1969 Hollywood. So I was trying to do a segment called The Specials, where, you know, you lead off with some stories, and it's National Beer Day, and you know, I was, full disclosure, my favorite beer on earth is the Lanahoogle Summer Shandy. Uh, while I was in college in Milwaukee, it was the the brewery was pretty much right in my backyard, so I grew a huge affinity for that. I'm like, oh, National Beer Day. I'm going to do the podcast, crack open a cold one, and, you know, re- record about animals, beer, the whole nine yards. Well, it didn't quite go according to plan. Take a listen. Apparently for nine years, the LA Zoo has been having a uh, brew at the zoo for as kind of a fundraiser. You know, uh, people that like animals and and beer can get together and try a couple different beers from the region. And apparently as part of this every year, they have an animal pick the flavor of the beer, which is fitting considering the day that I'm recording this. This is National Beer Day. Uh, You know, Twitter makes up holidays. This is one of the ones that they decide to go with. Oh, God. Damn it. Are you kidding right now?
probably should have warned you, not suitable for work. I know it's a, I pretty much made a borderline ASMR video right there. My apologies, but hey, great. That is a, that's what they call great natural sound. You know, I got a sound effect. I didn't even have to rip it off YouTube or anything. So glass half full, even though my beer is not. Anyway, I'm back to the water. Water doesn't get your floor sticky. So we're going to take a, a quick break, you know, going to try to clean up the area. And, you know, we'll be back in a second for you. It's probably, probably going to be a lot longer than that for me. If anybody wants to sponsor this segment, Clorox looking at you. Literally have an empty uh, have an empty bottle of you right there. That'd be dope. But while I try to uh, clean up my mess over here, enjoy the Top Gun Maverick trailer. And on the other side... Mo Dockhill is going to join us to talk about it. Thirty plus years of service. Combat medals. Citations. Only man to shoot down three enemy planes in the last 40 years. Yet you can't get a promotion. You won't retire. Despite your best efforts, you refuse to die. You should be at least a two-star admiral by now. Yet here you are. Captain. Why is that? One of life's mysteries, sir. inevitable maverick your kind is headed for extinction maybe so sir but not today on the line now a man whose takes right checks that his uh mouth may or may not be able to cash it's mo dakil everybody mo what's up man <laughs> What's up, Danny? How you doing, bud? Good. Uh, so we gather here today because uh, I'm sure most people don't think about Top Gun at least once a week, but I know any time I put on the aviators, I always try to channel my inner goose. Clearly, as as you can see over the message, I can't quite grow the stash, but that's a different topic for a different day. No, but we had uh, Top Gun news this week. The trailer came out. Tom Cruise out there at Comic-Con, probably a couple miles away from the base down there in San Diego, drops the trailer. Your initial thoughts when you heard the news this week? Oh, I was fired up. I watched the trailer. I was completely in. From the second I saw it, I was, I mean, I've, I told you before the call, like, 
I was ready for Top Gun 2 to come out at any point. I didn't know the trailer was dropping at Comic-Con, so when it popped into the timeline, I was like, oh my god. Um, I was super excited. Uh, I was actually in a Starbucks. I, normally, I, I just unplugged my headphones from my phone and plugged it right into the computer going like, nope, watching this on my whole computer screen. I am all in. I'm there on day one, and I probably will see this more than once. <laughs> All right, so we have a premise. If you do some Wikipediaing, some Googling, we have a premise. The gist is Maverick takes place 34 years after the original film and pits now Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell as a flight instructor at Top Gun, which we knew at, by the end of the first one. And he's guiding Goose's son, Bradley, who seeks to become an aviator as much as his father was. Now, okay. If you go by the initial start of this trailer, there's a there's a quote, and, and we just played it before you came on. How he's talking about how Tom Cruise is still a, a, a captain after they couldn't get him to quit, all that stuff. I could go through it, but for the sake of time, I won't. But my biggest issue with this whole little spiel, and 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 it's great for a, a trailer. We've only had one pilot in the U.S. military that shot down three airplanes in 40 years. <laughs> what does that say about his teaching at Top Gun? I would look at it the other way, Danny. What does it say about the opponents? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, maybe they're not coming at us. You know, maybe they're like, yo, they got, they got Maverick, man. We ain't, we ain't messing with them. You know, it's kind of like in the first one, right? Like when he... When they find out Viper's on the, the mission with them, and they're going up against Viper, and they're like, oh, great, Viper's here. You know, and it's, it's, it's that kind of reaction. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a movie, Danny, if we're going to start poking a lot of holes into this. Oh, but that's what we're supposed to do in podcasts. We're supposed to poke holes in all of this. Now. I mean, uh, someone right down, a company right down the road from you has made a lot of money poking holes in movies. But uh... I, I'm not going to let you ruin this for me, Danny. <laughs> We still got a whole year to analyze it. We still got a whole year to analyze it. But, uh, you know, we just touched on Miles Teller playing Goose's son. Thoughts on Miles Teller in that role? Yeah, that's interesting. I I don't know. I mean, when you just look at the, the, the kid from the original, I mean, he's short, blonde hair. You know, Meg Ryan, who's Goose's wife, is blonde, you know, Goose is blonde. Like, I'm not sure if uh, I'm like, Teller's really the guy for that. But, you know, when you look at, at Hollywood actors now, I'm not even sure who, who you'd get to to play that role that, you know. I mean, it's going to be a fun role. I think I like Miles Tenner, mm. Teller in general. I think he, he's done a fun job. I uh, not really had a major, major breakthrough. Uh, I definitely really liked him in Whiplash. Uh, but... It's going to be a fun. Listen, this whole movie is just about Maverick for me. This is about me oh, really? living my 80s childhood. This is all I care about. So, Tom Cruise being the only name in the trailer, you were like, yes, more of this. More of this. Oh, I mean, how did you, how do you not, like, you think Top Gun, you think Maverick. That's true. You know, true. It's, 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 it's all that stuff. You, you think of him riding the motorcycle and pumping his fist as the plane, the jet's taking off. You think of all that stuff, you know, uh, the whole thing the helmet with the the mavericks kind of in that v-shape and everything like man yeah for me i think top gun i just think maverick tom cruise that's all i need you give me that stuff and some fighter jets and we're good (laughs) 
kind of like what uh um oh gosh who who who's that famous film critic uh, said when the first one came out he's like if if you skip past the parts where they actually talk to uh, each other in this movie. This movie's really good. I don't agree with that. You don't agree with that, but no, I'll fight whoever says that. Like that's Roger a fight Ebert. for me. That's Roger like, Ebert. <laughs> it's a it, like that's that's on site. Like that's a fight. The moment I see him, like anybody wants to have these kinds of takes, like we're gonna we're gonna have a problem. So this movie started development in 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 2010. Um, Jerry Bruckheimer and Tony Scott were approached by Paramount um, to write it and. But they passed this off to Peter Craig and Justin Marks, who described this as a dream project. Uh, I think writing the sequel to Top Gun is kind of a dream project. So this has been in the works for a while. Now, uh, I want to get into something that the internet found out, because the internet is always good at poking holes in everything in this trailer. I know, Mo, I'm not trying to ruin this for you a year out, but uh, on his jacket, credit to the folks at IndieWire for noticing this. I didn't even notice this. Uh, They replaced the... The Japanese and Taiwanese flags with uh, similar-looking symbols. Mark McKinnon of the Daily Mail reporting that Tessent Pictures, a division of a Chinese tech conglomerate, is half-funding the movie with Paramount. Is this more an, an indication of uh, Paramount who struggled in, in recent years or just trying to make this a more global film that more people can enjoy? Yeah, I think it's one of those things, you know, you're, you you got to think of every the whole audience in general. And... You don't know the effect what those things have. I mean, it was impressive they caught that to begin with. But the, uh, uh, but of course, the internet's undefeated in catching the small, 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 smallest minute detail of everything. But yeah, I think it's something like you know, Tencent Media is a, a, a Chinese company. I mean, they're going to have some say in that stuff. I mean, it's 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 just this is this is how movies are made, and this is the stuff that goes into it sometimes. And it's it's not going to take away too much from the actual storyline or anything. So for us to kind of get worried about uh, for us focusing on that, I think we start to lose the the bigger picture of Top Gun is back, dude. <laughs> and with it, the Danger Zone Kenny Loggins confirmed to be in the the new picture, unless it gets cut on. The, but it won't <laughs> cut it. You can't have Top Gun without Danger Zone. But my question for you now, Mo. Take Your Breath Away won an Oscar in 1986 on the original soundtrack. Can you replace Take Your Breath Away? And if so, what is the song that's come out in maybe the last 10 to 15 years that could be Take Your Breath Away? My early vote is Every Time We Touch. Oh, God. Now we're touching in areas I don't know, Denny. Now we're talking <laughs> about music. I'm a basketball guy. I'm a Top Gun enthusiast. I don't know. Um, it's going to be hard to do, to just... I mean, you know, take my breath away. It was perfect. It was perfect for the movie. Um, just for the pure fact too, that like you, you think about flying and the fast pace they're going, it's like, Oh God, yeah, how do you breathe? You know, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't even tell you, but I, I trust these guys. They're professionals. They'll, they'll pick out the right one. Denny, this one, I'm not prepared for this question. <laughs> <laughs> take my breath away and blue backlighting during sex. It doesn't get any more 1986 than that. Right. I mean, that's the 80s, man. That was the 80s. <laughs> By the way, Val Kilmer reprising his role as Ice after a long social media campaign to get back into it. I know he's had some health scares recently. What are you expecting for Val Kilmer in this? Do you think, because he can't be young and brash, he's a he's a vice admiral in this one. I mean, he, he, you look at it as like, all right, here's the guy that's no longer really flying. You know, kind of climb. he's climbed the ranks, whereas... You know, Captain Mitchell hasn't, 
So it's it, that's kind of the you know sort of the maybe that's where you kind of have some sort of conflict between the two of them. You know they they had a rocky relationship in the movie. You know the two of them up until you know Maverick saves his butt at the end. Um, spoiler alert, by the way, if you haven't seen it by now, uh, you're listening to the wrong podcast. But you know, so I think there's there's going to be a little bit of animosity, but you need that. You need that conflict in the movie. And I kind of think it's going to be one of those things where it's like, well, I'm your superior now because, you know, you, I've climbed up the ranks and you haven't. So I think we'll have some of that action. And I hope he's in the tower when Maverick busts the tower. If that doesn't happen in Top Gun 2, I'm going to be upset. Let's run into this cast. Only Tom, Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer back. And you can debate maybe Meg Ryan should be in it. I mean... But uh, with with the Miles Teller role, but let's run through this cast real quick. Obviously, Tom Cruise. I know what you're expecting. If you want to expand a little bit more on what you think older Maverick looks like, the floor is yours. Man, he looks exactly the same. Like that's what's amazing about it. Man, it's a, it's phenomenal. Man, it shows you that flying fighter jets really doesn't age you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just making up stuff now. No, I mean it's 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 kind of perfect. Like this is. It, it, this is a, it's a fun reprisal more than anything else. Like, you know, having him in the role is, is great. I mean, this is one of the iconic eighties movies and, and kind of lifting it up and we've seen it before, you know, we saw it with Creed and kind of, you know, and, and, and the Rocky Balboa kind of sort of bridging that gap and, and that stuff. So I think it's, it's fun, man. It's going to be fun to see him kind of tap into that. You know, the character himself was cocky, brash, conceited even to a degree. You know, you just kind of loved it. So I, I hope to see some more of that. And, you know, uh, who knows? Maybe maybe we're going to see that loving feeling song again. You know, maybe we get something like that again. A little uh, Miles Teller playing Great Balls of Fire on the piano. Oh, what a great scene that was. See, I could talk about Top Gun for days, man. That was just a whole great scene right there, you know. And that led to the big line, you know, Meg Ryan screaming out, Goose, you big stud, take me to bed and lose me forever. And then Goose just going, show me the way home, honey. Like, that's just great. It was fun, you know. Um, So I think this is, you know, maybe we get something like that or, or We'll, we'll, we'll find out. Oh, my goodness. So Tom Cruise doing all of the flying allegedly in this movie, which is pretty crazy. He required anybody that was going to be in these, these these fighting scenes to do when they first tried to sell him on the movie in 1986. They'd take him up, fly him around, and shoot all of the stuff in the plane, which is pretty cool to do. We touch on, on Miles Teller. He, in the movie, has a love interest, and her name is Phoenix, played by... Monica Barbero, she was on Splitting Up Together, so not too much movie experience, so this will be a big-time role for her, it's a lot of screen time. Your thoughts on what makes a good Top Gun love interest? You know, you, you gotta have a little bit of, of fight back, like that's what made kind of Charlie so great in that movie, you know, like the whole the big scene too, where like Maverick's not trying to hear her while she's on the motorcycle, while he's on the motorcycle. And, you know, he storms off and she chases him in her little old school Porsche Boxster. That was pretty sweet ride too, you know, and, and drives like crazy. You kind of got to have a little bit of that sort of antagonist, not antagonist, but kind of that, that little bit of a fire kind of thing. And, you know, you're not going to be sitting there and just being kind of like submissive or just kind of an afterthought. Like you got to have a little bit of fire, and fight and i think you know that's that's what we're hoping we're going to see between the 
this love interest here in this situation. By the way, has anybody ever trade wanted to trade Miramar for Washington D.C. like ever? <laughs> I mean, I, I I mean, I guess if you're thinking just career wise, but if you're just thinking city, I mean, come on, I mean, like you know, I I've only been to D.C. just a few times for working with teams, but like. Every time I went, it was wintertime and it was cold, man. Like, I wasn't cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> and also, she is she's a flight instructor with easily now in 2019 what would probably be a $5 million home. I don't think people look about, man, the U.S. government was balling out in 1986. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I mean well... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to even answer that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, the, one of the shockers in the trailer, well, John Hamm cameo. What do? You, what in the world can you imagine Don Draper doing down there at Top Gun? I mean, he's got to be an instructor of some sort. I mean, first off, John Hamm does look like the type of guy that'd exactly. be a fighter pilot. Like he just does, you know. And. and you know, the strong jaw, everything. Like, you just kind of think, like, that's, you know what? Yeah, no, he's a fighter pilot. If he wasn't an actor, he should have been a fighter pilot. So this is kind of perfect. He's, I got to guess he'd be an instructor as well or, or some side high-ranking official um, in, in, in the movie. So I think that's kind of uh, going to be my guess. Yeah, and uh, I just hope that he's the one that you see at, at the end of the trailer where he's like, uh, your kind Maverick is going extinct and then tom cruise is like not today sir i i hope john ham's delivering that line because that's just like oscar gold right there anyway <laughs> um another pilot trainee glenn powell from uh grew to popularity from netflix's uh rom-com set it up uh and in the trailer he is a. Uh, uh, they're recreating, if you will, the, the hilarious volleyball scene with football. You see Glenn Powell all oiled up on the beach. Are we really going to go there? How do you not? You have to. You have to. Like, here's the thing. Like, when you're doing these kinds of movies several years after the fact, like, you got to give a nod to what was what happened before, you know? And, and so you got to do it. You got to have that. The funniest thing about the the original volleyball scene was like everybody was shirtless except goose. And that's like, I'm like, that's me. Like if I'm going, all these dudes are ripped and looking great. And I'm just like, I'm just going to keep my shirt on guys. I'm all right. Um, like that's, that's that kind of stuff, but you got to have those nods to it. I mean, I'm going to go back to Creed, like Creed kind of set the template of like almost doing a remake, but making it different. But like they had the training montages, they did all the stuff, you know, uh, him, uh, Creed, you know, talking with the girl for the first time and going through like courting somebody while while training, and similar to like in Rocky One and and all of that. So I think there's it's it's you got to kind of give a little bit of a nod again if you're going to label it Top Gun. I need these things in it, okay? <laughs> these 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 are required things. It doesn't have to necessarily be volleyball, but it has to be something like it. So that being football works perfectly. Lewis Pullman from uh, George Clooney's Cats 22 on Amazon, also in the pilot cast. But here's the one that I think got a lot of people. Ed Harris as an admiral, Maverick's superior. Your thoughts? I mean, that's another good get, too. I mean, we've seen Ed Harris kind of play military roles. Uh, remember him from uh, 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 The Rock, you know, yeah, and, yeah. And, and being being the bad guy, but being a military guy and and an authoritarian figure kind of thing. You, you, we've seen this before from him. So, 
you know, man, this stuff just, it all makes sense. Like, it's its good casting. I'm kind of excited. I'm excited now, man. We got a year to wait. You're killing me here, dude. Like, this is a long one. Um, like, I'm ready. To, I'm going to have to pop in Top Gun tonight just to kind of get my fix. But the, the uh, I think the casting overall, it all makes sense, you know? And then also in, in the trailer, there is a, there's a funeral scene. I'm not sure whose wings are snatched down on the coffin. Any predictions that you want to throw out there? It doesn't matter if they're accurate. I'm Brian. Let's go. Oh, man. It's going to be one of the trainees. It's going to be – I mean, there's, there's going to be something like that. Um, I'm not even sure who, but you know one of them's going down. You know who you know? I'm 100% convinced it is? Ice. Who? Oh, but I see, I'm not even sure if he's flying anymore, though. I don't know. Man. You know, I, I, this is where my, my knowledge of military ranks and who flies still <laughs> and who doesn't <laughs> kind of hurts us here. But, you know, if he's moving up the ranks, I'm sure at some point he's like, oh, I'm not flying anymore. But Ice would be a good one. Ice would kind of bring that kind of that sort of like, damn, that happened. You know, you got to see like, man, goose dying still affects me. <laughs> I got it. I got to either fast forward or change the channel sometimes. Like I'm like, sometimes I'm just like, I'm not ready for this. Um, so bringing that kind of, you need, whoever it is, it's got to really tug on that string. And I think if we're saying miles tellers, the, you know, kind of the, the, the young hotshot trainee, it's gotta be somebody close to him. We've also got JLS from HBO's insecure in the show. Do you think he's a will sundown junior? Oh, <laughs> I don't think he's going to be Sundown Jr., but, but uh, it's it's a, a good callback. Um, you know, it's going to be fun, man. It's it, Overall, again, just good casting. Um, and then there's a ton of people from the original that are, are still working. Hopefully they, they get a cameo, but currently they're not listed on the cast list. Kelly McGillis still acting, not in the movie. Um, but the biggest one, I like, I... You would have thought that he that there'd be a, at least a rumor that he got a small little cameo is Anthony Edwards. I mean, he's still acting on on TV. Do you think we'll yeah, but see it'd be, what? It'd be weird, man, if we see Goose. Yeah, but unless it's a flashback or. Have you seen Anthony Edwards lately? The man is bald as can be, and the stash is not there. I think he could slip in in like some sort of capacity, talk to Miles Teller, talk at, and then walk out the scene, and nobody will even know that it's Anthony Edwards outside of diehard Top Gun fans. No, I think you know what ER was such a big show, man. That's everybody's going to still true. catch. Everybody's still going to catch that. I don't <laughs> like that's okay. Now you're jumping the shark at that point. <laughs> like when you're doing that, now it's like, all right, guys, we're. We've we've crossed the line. I want Goose to come back. I didn't want Goose to die, but like at the same time, it's like, all right, this is okay. Oh, um, and then a few more things. What is your favorite scene from Top Gun, the original? Oh, I'm gonna go with one, and I've used this on some of my basketball clips. And mind you, it's a tough one. There's a thousand scenes I could talk about. Um, there's the scene where Maverick's flying and he, and he has a, a, a MIG on his tail. And this is in the end. And Tim Robbins is the guy in the back. And he's like, yo, Maverick, you're, you're slowing down. Uh, he said, yo, Maverick, you're, you're slowing down. Like, what's going on? And he's like, I'm going to hit the brakes and he's going to fly right past us. And you just hear Tim Robbins, my favorite part, he's, you're going to do what? <laughs> and then, boom, brakes. 
plane flies by, fires a missile, you know, and, and, and moves on. And I love it so much. And just, just Tim Robbins' reaction of like, you're going to do what? <laughs> it always cracks me up, man. And then finally to kind of bring it back to basketball for you for a little bit. All right, you're playing three-on-three. Three. You get Maverick, Ice, or Viper, or you get whatever uh, uh, Miles Teller, Glenn Powell, and say Jay Ellis. Who you taking in their primes against each other? This is a classic. Okay, say, this is a classic Bulls primes, versus the Warriors. Uh, I I I think I'm gonna go with the younger guys just because they're uh, you know uh, I, Maverick's not that tall. It's kind of those things, you know. Like I think we're just I'm just gonna go with the height a little bit. I think they got a little more uh, fluidity, and and even in his prime, I can't imagine Viper was that much of a hooper. Well, we brought you here to Top Gun because you guys are the best out of the best. Mo Dackel's Top Gun takes are amazing. His basketball analysis is top-notch as well. Mo, thank you so much, man. <laughs> thank you for having me, man. Awesome. Well, there it is. One episode of these in the books. Going forward, I would love to be able to do a mailbag at the end of these where you guys send in your thoughts, concerns, comments, questions, anything really. You know, just kind of create the conversation. Make this your, not not your two-way telephone number, but your one-way kind of pen pal-ish thing. Just don't be weird. That's all I ask. You can reach the show later podcast at gmail.com. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Denny underscore Gallagher. The Later Podcast is on Instagram, at Later Podcast. Be able to check that out. I'll be posting stuff on there, exclusive content from the pod, all all that stuff. We're really getting this operation going. So if you could rate, subscribe, review, that'd be greatly appreciated. Let's see, any other housekeeping? That, 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 that. No, we seem to be good. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you so much for checking us out today. We've got plenty of interviews coming your way. Be sure to check back next week. We're going to have Stephen Hyden from Uproxx. He has an amazing podcast documentary out called Break Stuff about Woodstock 99. We're going to talk to him next week uh, in light of Woodstock 50 being canceled this week. It was perfect time to talk to him. So check back next Friday. We'll have a brand new edition of Later. I want to shout out Tom, Dick, and Harry of ball and jam podcast fame uh that's my other project with steve and rebecca be sure to listen to that uh it's at ball and chain pod on instagram twitter it's great if you like a lot of the nostalgia joking around and stuff that we do here that's an even better podcast and more than likely if you're listening to this you probably know at least of me through that so at least you got to you know the guy that who's zanely produces that every tuesday night in his apartment you know he got he got in front of the mic you know he gave it his best effort and well i just hope that you guys come back next week because we got a lot of great stuff once again thank you so much for listening and until next time later